Hello and welcome back to B&E Boston Sports Radio here at WQAQ Radio 98.1. My name is Brendan Kelly, your host, co-founder, and uh, longtime Boston sports fanatic. I am joined in studio today by my two buddies. You got E to my right. Welcome back to the Stu E. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's up? You know, we made our long-awaited <laughs> debut after a, another one of our patented hiatuses here. Of course. Uh, also joined by my good friend, roommate, brother over there, Michael King in What's the Stu. fellas? Um, sorry for being a little late here. We had a change of plans in the uh, production of today's episode, but Yo, like always, good. like always here in we uh, see, bro. Boston Sportsland. We got some good stories to talk about. The teams are continuing to impress on a variety of levels, um, setting records, breaking hearts, and uh, just having a great time. So, not sure the last time we got in here to talk about the teams, but just to update you a little bit, the Bruins, as of last night, just broke the franchise regular season record, getting their 58th win at home. Um, absolutely, ga- you know, a game that was exciting on all levels. Lots of fights. You know, when your captain and longtime Bruin, Patrice Bergeron, gets cross-checked in the face and you have young guns on all levels of the team standing up for him, you know, he's, that's why he's the captain. You know what I mean? There's no question the love that the team has for, for Bergey, um, and I just love to see them stick up for him. So that was definitely a, uh, a great thing to see, just to, you know, to continue hitting on the Bruins. What a, what a season so far. I mean, I know we... Especially at the end of last semester, you know, last spring, when we were talking about the Bruins and we were talking about how important this season was and, you know, were the Bruins about to enter a rebuild? You know, at the end of last season for the Bruins, we didn't know what the status was with Bergeron. We had with really Krejci. no idea if Krejci was ever going to make his return with the, to the Bruins. You know, we were, we were in an okay spot, but there was a lot riding on this past off season, And, you know, it, it went as good as it possibly could have. You oh, know, yeah. You have... Two of your, some of the best centers in franchise history, you know, making a return to the team. Uh, you acquired some depth, and you have a couple guys break out. So, um, starting off with probably the most obvious one, the Bruins have a Vesna favorite. Hard trophy that. finalist Hard potential. Favorite. It, it's, it's fascinating to see what Linus Olmark has done this year. And I know, it's insane. As a guy, 
who came over from Buffalo. I believe it was Buffalo. Uh, uh huh. Um, he wasn't expected to be anything special. I think the time that we traded for him, he was not that good. He was yeah, a role player. Was, we were talking was, about this yesterday. He He's, was kind of mid. He was like an all right trade, and at that point, people were looking at him as like the a veteran backup to Dan Vladar. I think. Was Tuca still playing around the time th- we traded for him? I, don't I think, think it was so. 21. So Tuca had the, the hip surgery. Right. Tuca, okay. Tuca was hurt for a while. And I believe. So that know, was. I may be wrong. If I'm, if Tuca Rask and Olmark were on the team at the same time, if I believe. I think so. And that was at the same time that Jeremy Swayman was breaking out. So there was a lot going on. We were all obviously holding on to the hope that Rask was making his return. And then when he officially. Um, you know, retired. Here's what happened. I think the timeline's messy. I think the season before Rask was supposed to come back, then he tried to come back, and then he couldn't because of his injury, if I'm mistaken. Um, but, you know, in the last two, three seasons, we've had a turnover of, you know, probably the best goalie in franchise history, arguably Tuka Rask, you know, retiring due to health, you know, health uh, complications. But And then you have the emergence of rookie Jeremy Swayman, who no one expected to be as good as he was last season. Right. He was one of the top dogs in terms of, I think, goals against average, save percentage. He was up there in all the major statistical categories. He was up there with, uh, he was going head-to-head with Igor Shosturkin, who had an amazing season last year. Mm -hmm. But uh, Swayman's sort of taken a little bit of a backseat to Allmark this year. They've both been good, but obviously Allmark is like Ethan said, a potential heart candidate, yeah. which is like crazy to think about when you have Connor McDavid in the league. In the league. I, I just I think a lot of Bruins fans expected Olmark to kind of be that veteran presence for Swayman, like Ethan mentioned, but I think no one expected for them both to have the success they had and for uh, Olmark to have a career season this, you know, at, at the perfect time for the Bruins. He's been like close to perfect as close as you can possibly get it's right. been amazing to see you know he's not a he's really not a character like he's just he does his thing keeps his mouth quiet you know belichick would love him if he was a football player but <laughs> goalie hug too that's yeah that's one been thing an that iconic, he's created very iconic him and swayman um, after the game they're like they're like best friends they're Every best friends season, they're, so. they are best um, friends there was a story around christmas time where uh swayman dressed up as santa for all mark's kids yeah um which that's is awesome. just so fantastic to see and the pictures of there are hysterical but they talk about like all the time how much of like best friends they are and how they love each other and it's it's we were talking about this yesterday where um like they're they're so close in terms of like their friendship that like whether one of them plays in the playoffs or not I really don't it think won't that matter. They, I really don't think yeah, it no, cares. I, I they'll think, just be rooting for the other. And it, the good thing about the trade that we made for Olmark as well is that uh when when we acquired him he signed a four year five million dollar per year contract yeah it's, which it's, at the time seemed like kind of a lot for somebody like him but he has exceeded expectations for sure for by sure. a lot as well so you know having him for only five million a year which i think there's maybe three years left of that now three or two or three yeah but it's, even in, the, it's still, in a range where it's that's a steal we're getting we're getting him for below what he could be making if you know he was we're entering free lucky. agency this past past season and it's 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 fascinating how quickly he went from an overpay to completely underrated so in terms of contracts um i think it's just fascinating to see what's going on with the bruins right now you have depth you have guys on the fourth line hathaway greer lauko's been having a stint lately you know he was basically 
on the road from Providence to Boston basically every single every day. day. They were sending him back, and they're like, you know what? We need you. Come on back. And, you know, now that he's gotten a little bit more of a prominent role, he's getting more minutes. You know, see him sticking up for players, not being afraid to get physical with the other teams. I think that shows that he could be a guy come playoffs that, you know, you deal, you have an injury, you put Lauko in, you feel kind of you feel confident having him in the lineup, right? And I think that's what you need when you're a playoff team going for a championship, going for the Stanley Cup. Playoffs are probably the hardest in all sports. You're playing physical yeah. hockey every almost every, every single day, every day for months, and you know you're going to face injuries. And you know, knock on wood, the Bruins have done pretty well with injuries. You have Taylor Hall and Nick F. Uncle Nick. I'm not even going to try to say it. Uncle Nick coming off, you know, potential. They were like long term, may miss the rest of regular season injuries. You know, the speculation that it could have been for the cap. Right. The Sand Hall will be back. They're both is, practicing, so I mean, it's a good sign. Looking but, uh, at looking at how good they've been doing lately without them, inserting them back into the lineup, I think, you know, that won't mess with anything, you know. Yeah. Having having Taylor Hall out of your lineup and just being able to insert him into either line two or line three is like wow. Like yeah, it, what an it's, upgrade. It's fascinating. <laughs> We've had this debate a lot. I mean, where does Taylor Hall go when he comes back from an injury? And you look at the top two lines right now, and I feel you can't really mess either of those up. It's like a 1A, 1B. I mean, our second line with Krejci, Pasternak, and Zaka has been um, top line quality, could be top line for half the teams in this league. Right. And uh, then you look at the third line, you have Trent Frederick having a breakout year. You know, he's been long yeah. overdue. He's who had a great little fight last night as well. Knocked the guy out with my one. God punch. Trent Frederick, you know, he's been a guy that I think Ethan can back me up on. I've been pretty high on him since he has entered the league, and it's mostly because I like physical guys that have something to prove, and I feel like Frederick has that, you know, responsibility on his mind is that, you know, he was a high draft pick, and, you know, now that he's getting a chance every night to prove himself, he's been that ultimate third-line guy. I mean, he's physical, he can score. He's, he's got some finesse with him, too. He's, he's like, a skilled like He's got a lot of intangibles yeah. that are perfect for, you know, a compliment to Charlie Coyle, who's basically probably one of the best all-around centers in the league. He's he's big. He's pretty good at face-offs. He's got a good shot. You know what I mean? He's got good passing vision. Like, obviously, I'm probably hyping him up more than some other people would see, but he's a perfect... I feel like he's a perfect guy for your third line, and he's a guy that we've known in the playoffs can break out. He's had years where he's looked like the best guy on the ice. So, And then you complement that with Taylor Hall coming off the bench. You know what I mean? You could throw They've thrown Greer on that line. It's, it's, it's a physical. I mean, it was working when we had Craig Smith. Yep, and that's one thing that the Bruins had struggled with in the few, uh, the few years, um, or in the last few years, I should say. Yeah. They haven't really had a good fourth line mm-hmm. who was able to score while also being physical and aggressive being, and being pushing the pace. Line. Yes, yeah. exactly. We, the fourth line had not done much since the days of 2011. Corrali, oh, oh, that's true. Yeah, Nordstrom. That, right. That, that line that was a fun was year. really line, good. Right. But also in 2011 I, when you have Thornton. When I think of a fourth line, my mind immediately goes to 2011 where it's Daniel Paye, uh, Gregory, Sean Thornton, Gregory, Gregory Campbell. Campbell, Chris Kelly, those type of guys. What a fourth line. Um, That's what you need to win a championship, at least to right. compete for a championship. Because, you know, it's when you're matching up and you're going hand in hand with very talented teams, Every it, aspect it comes down challenged. to the wire. It does. Like the Bruins are going to face teams, you know, Carolina, the potentially the Rangers, Tampa Bay, Toronto, that have very talented top lines, just like the Bruins. And it sometimes will come down to that depth. And who can. Whose fourth line? Whose third line can? 
who can beat you can grind out top the, lines can grind are, out those minutes are exhausted or overworked. I mean, it's it's thrilling. I mean, looking looking at the amount of depth we have, it, it's not something to be upset about. I mean, I we know. have options, a we lot of them. options, and, and it's going to be exciting confident. to see who they decide to use against who and when in the playoffs. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm I ready. Mean, you look just if we just to go back to the fourth line. I mean, you can go. You could go big. You could go Felino. You could go Greer. You could go. You know, Tyler Nozick's been Hathaway. Nozick's yeah, been like, pretty good lately. He's been yeah. I mean, like you have a you have a lot of options. You want to go more skilled. You could go Lauco. You know what I mean? You have you, you have options. You know what I mean? They've had they've had guys from the AHL come up. Do stands go back down? Like I think they're I think they've they've tested enough options and and even even defenseman wise, you look at the lineup right now. Derek Forbert, who's a shot eating, he eats shots. I know. He loves eating he, shots. He eats shots for breakfast without any milk. <laughs> like, he goes crazy. Like, and you have Zaboral. I mean, Zaboral has, hasn't gotten a lot of chances, but he's, he's, it's depth. It's depth. You got eight right. guys that can play. You know what I mean? And it, I just, it's exactly what you need. Every position's got depth. That's what you need. Injuries got, are, injuries are probably, you know, are likely to happen likely to at happen. some point. As well as depth, you've also got three first line. Defenseman. Oh like my God! Yeah, we haven't even talked about defensemen. McAvoy, Orlov, and Lindholm. And Lindholm, who Lindholm has just had a great year. It's, what a great pickup he was. He, I mean, the fact, Orlov's been really good too. He's been a facilitating machine. He's nuts. Orlov. When you watch Orlov, if you if you showed someone, he's everywhere. Orlov, you'd be like, that's a forward. Like he plays. Right, Dmitry Skorlov. Like he literally plays. Just like a forward, and right. you know what I mean. And it's it's awesome to see because you use him on the power play. You don't mm-hmm. have to put a an extra forward out there. You basically have a hybrid. You know what I mean. You I think, a two and one. I think him playing in Washington with Ovechkin really helps him come over and gel with this team because yeah. you've got a guy like Pasta on the power play, yeah. who is very similar to Ovechkin in the fact that he has that amazing one time shot from mm-hmm. the uh, face off dot on the left yeah. side. Yeah. So he knows how to get feeds over there. He can, you know, work the puck around, try to get him open. He's been in that system before. So having him come over from Washington definitely helps him gel. Yeah, no, I, I think that that was probably one of the better trades Don has made in recent years. And not to, you know, pat ourselves on the back, but we've been screaming into these microphones for basically two years now about how the Bruins need to go all in before the window's closed. The window is, 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 is has it, opened. Is, it's, open. it's open. It's open. Right? You know what I mean? Like, like not to talk about last dances, but depending upon the outcomes of this playoffs, this is the last dance. This could potentially be it for a lot of these, you know, Bruins legends right. and Bergeron and Krejci. And not that the team would be bad. Like I'm very confident, but you know what I mean. We have guys that could potentially be rentals. You know what I mean? As we talk about Orloff and Hathaway and other players that were basically brought in to try to take this team over the top and compete. I mean, they. they they bolstered up the offense and defense, and the goalies have been ready to go. So it's going to be probably one of the most exciting playoff runs in Boston, recent Boston sports history. Right. You know, the anticipation at this point in for the last few months has just been over the top. Like, I am already prepared to do absolutely nothing for the months of April, May, and potentially June, um, watching Bruins and our next topic, Celtics basketball. So right. I'm, I'm just very thankful for where they're at, and I'm glad that they've been able to set and break so many records this year. I think it just is a perfect way to show that the Bruins have been a dynasty. You know what I mean? They haven't exactly shown it with championships like the Patriots have, but they've been very good since the turn of the century. And even when they were bad, it was a quick turnaround. They were ready right back into it. So hopefully the Bruins can Celtics. Yeah. to, To build upon, you know, Boston teams looking to compete for a championship right now, you have the Boston Celtics and the window is open and it's been open for the last 
I'd five say five, five or six years. Yeah. We made multiple Eastern Conference Finals. Jalen Brown has spent at least three, three or four in his career, and um, I just think that with the Celtics, you have to do. You have. I feel like they need to get over the top sooner rather than later. Not that it's concerning that they haven't won a championship, especially with the turnover of stars. You know, you Kemba comes in, Kyrie comes in. You know, those seasons don't work out. Hayward, you know, comes in that doesn't work out. You've had, you've had teams that. People expected to win, and you know, obviously, didn't come close to internal, inju- you know, issues, injuries, a lot of different factors. But if you look at last year's Celtics team, it's about as close to the same as it is this year with the addition of Malcolm Brogdon and the breakout of Sam Hauser. It's a very similar team to what you know went to the championship last year, and I think the expectation at this point is they have they should they are expected to, com- to compete, compete for, for a championship and be difficult. It's not a Cinderella. It's not an underdog story. The Celtics are favored. You go on most you know, sports talk shows, most fans of the NBA would consider the Celtics to be yeah, you know, the, the favorite. Sports books have them as the favorites, too. So, you know, the Western Conference is kind of like a revolving door of teams. Yeah. Like, You've got I mean, the Kings were in the got, playoffs for the you, first time in God knows how they're long. They're good this year. Was the last time. You've got, like... Like I was gonna say, you've got the Kings, the Nuggets, and you know who who else? The Suns at the top the, of the, the Western Grizzlies. Conference, the Grizzlies. But after that, it's kind of like a who's who of like mm-hmm. anybody. Pretty much, yep. So that conference, I'm not really worried about. It's making it out of the East. I think is the yeah. tough part. Yeah, the East. The East has some, some big name players. I mean, yeah. if you look at the top standings, you got Milwaukee Bucks, who you know the argument is made. We didn't have to face Chris Middleton last year. Let's, you know, that's that's the team to beat. It's the Bucks. And we I, beat them last night by 41. We killed them last night. We almost beat them when we had our hospital Celtics squad back in, um, I believe it was either I February or January, that. when we were winning. We basically we took choked. them to overtime with Malcolm Brogdon and Al Horford. Right. That was, you know what I mean? That was the team. And we were going up against a fully healthy Bucks team. Look, it's looking like more than likely the Celtics are out of the contention for the one seed. So it, depending upon problem. seeding, we'll have home, you know, home court advantage till potentially the Eastern Conference Finals when we face the Bucks, depending upon how the matchups work. Some teams that we obviously have to look at, you have a team that I predict, and it's pretty obvious with the age of their players, the Cavs, they're about they're young like us. They got a variety of guys to get you a basket. I would say, besides the Bucks, the Cavs are going to be the team that's going to give us the hardest time this playoffs run. I mean, Especially all the games have what, been close. One and three against them this year? It's, yeah, I believe they have the better record against us in the regular seasons. All the games have been tight. I mean, it's a battle. They have a lot of talent. It's been a lot of talent. I mean, you look at... They acquired D-Mitch without giving up any of that core. Yep. Like, it's it's insane it's what they Karis did. Karis LeVert coming off the bench, I think. It's, it's a, a deep team. A, a bucket good, getter. It's, it's a good team. You've got Darius Garland, who was a first-time All-Star last year. They're talented. Um, They're very talented. Got one of the best shot blockers in the league to go up against Robert Williams Mm -hmm. and Jared Allen. You got Mobley, too, who's been ascending. Mobley was a a rookie of the year candidate last year. Yep. He was a great player. They got a young squad, and I I, I hope that we have a fun playoff series against them. Obviously, I hope we come out on top, but I would love a seven-game series. I'd love to see Tatum and... D. Mitch, Jalen, and D. Mitch start to go at it. You know, a lot of guys in the league are, you know, they're buddies nowadays. It's not as, you know, competitive, and there's not as much real, you know, bad blood between squads. But I would love to see them start to run their mouth. Like, I'd love to see that because, you know, then you can build up that kind of hype. 
that uh, that rivalry that we developed with Philly, you know, when we had that, Rozier. That no, that no longer exists. Yeah, that mean, I mean, not to jinx it, but Philly has not been very successful against Boston in recent memory, especially in the playoffs. And, you know, those those series where we played Philly back, like year after year, it was exciting. Like, the fan bases hated each other. The players hated yeah, each rem- other. You remember when the Philly... Just bringing that up, Marco Bellinelli <laughs> for the game, or so they thought. His foot was on the line, and confetti went everywhere. They went into overtime, and didn't we beat them? Yeah, uh, yeah handedly, handedly in overtime. I just and then that was that was it, right? That was was at the end of the series, right there. Yeah, I, I think know. it was a game. I think, so. I think it might have yeah. been. Yeah, it was a turning point for sure. Um, that was hilarious, though. It just sports are so much better when the that you know the team you're playing against means something more than it's just like a random team. You know what? We look at look at the Bruins and the Leafs. Like right, that's, that's a series a, that's that a you could, it could be rivalry. it could be the first round or the you know the, the fourth conference round. finals. Like it, it's just a fun series. Like it's you you enjoy beating them. It yeah. just means so much more because you know their fans hate us just as much as we hate them. And I think it, it just it means a lot when there's that little extra. It's to always a, to a, a series, game seven so. win too. It's looking like the Celtics will more than likely face the Heat in the first round. Heat have had a shouldn't be a problem. Very bad think. season, you know, a ve- terrible season. I mean, people last year were like, ah, oh, they were they, they were one of the finals. They were like, one three point shot away from Jimmy Butler from making the NBA finals. Just to be clear, Max Truce's foot. Oh, that, yeah, that we're not even going to. Yeah, he was, was clearly out. on the line. It was clearly out. on the line. I don't want to hear. It. Max it's, is it's, such it's, a baby. Yeah, it's weird how he keeps bringing it up. Like, oh my over gosh. Over yeah, again. Ethan and I were talking about it. He like tweets it at like random afternoons. Celtics, like, Celtics legend though. When yeah yeah they picked uh, Devonte Green over did, yeah. uh, Max Truce. That's because the last name. Yeah, and I think him and Tatum were best friends. That played a part into it. Mm. Um. Anyways, uh, Ethan, I had a couple of these um, points that I wrote down for the Pats. If I was going to run some of them by you and see what you thought for this upcoming season, since you are our football expert. Mike's thoughts. Mike's thoughts. So, so I said, Matt Jones needs to take a step up in production this year, regardless of the offensive system, the new offensive coordinator. He needs to be better. There was a lot of missed throws last year. Uh, off the top of my head, I remember against the Raiders, they were... Four, uh, they were uh, four downs uh, goal to go, and they missed every opportunity and and or were penalized. I think they were they had two penalties yeah. in that goal situation, and then Mac missed two wide open fade throws in a row. So that's you know that's fourteen points that you just missed out on right there. You yeah. know what I mean? He needs to be better. Obviously, we're going to agree on that, but. How much better does he need to be? I, I don't think he needs to have this crazy otherworldly jump. He showed flashes of it his first year in the league. He showed, obviously, some flashes of it this year. He had a great game against Minnesota. He had a great game against Baltimore before he got hurt. He did um, have a good game against Baltimore. He, he has the capabilities of being a starting good good quarterback in the NFL. I just think that whether it was a sophomore slump, whether you're benching Kendrick Bourne, I think a lot of it was maybe, again, he had an injury. He came back from a sprained ankle right. fairly early. Quickly. Like, yeah. Quickly. Um, but I, I do think that he needs to, to take a step up and, you know, if he's healthy, and I, I, I know I, I, I know we don't want to put all the blame on Patricia because obviously Mac took a step back, but I think having Bill O'Brien, the Alabama connection, Bringing in some offensive guys, James Robinson, Mike Kosicki, Juju Smith-Schuster, 
Um, and having Mac healthy, I think that all, already on paper, he's already set to improve. Um, but I do think that the quarterback play needs to be more consistent um, all right. next year. All right. So, true or false on this one, obviously we've got Juju Smith-Schuster brought in to be our new number one target, barring any trades or anything. Trades or draft, yeah. Forward, but if he's our number one guy, what what does he do, do you think, this year? What are we looking at? True or false? Or or not true or false. I don't know why I said (laughs) that, but what what are we looking at in terms of Juju in this offense? I think, well, I think... They're going to use him like they use Jacoby Myers, but in a higher workload. Jacoby Myers was that go-to third-down guy, third and six, third and seven. You give him the ball, and he gets eight and gets nine. Um, but the thing about Jacoby Myers was he was a consistent slot receiver who, who had consistent hands, and that was basically it. He could get you the yardage, um, but he didn't really have breakaway speed. He didn't really have the ability to catch after the run, spectacular catch. Um, I think Juju on paper brings those things um, he's a much bigger he's guy. He's a much bigger too. guy. He's a much faster guy. We got him for cheaper. Um, and so I think, you know, when you have those third and eights, you give it to Juju Smith-Schuster who can get you 11 yards and then also take it 30 more yards down the field. And so I think, um, you know, everyone loves Jacoby Myers. He was a fan favorite, undrafted guy that built his way up to the number one receiver in, on the team for three straight years. And so everyone loves him, and, and obviously no one wanted to see him go, but I think Juju Smith-Schuster overall is a better wide receiver. I agree. Um, and I think that Juju, um, you know, sure the TikToks may be funny at times and a little corny, but at the end of the day, he's, um, you know, he's got that ability to be one of, um, you know, the best receivers that we've had in New England. In recent over, memory. In recent memory over the last five six years um and you know when you throw in kendrick Bourne, when you throw in um, taekwon thorne it's due for a breakout year when when you throw in kendrick Bourne, um and and when you throw in you know Devontae parker who's that who's been that deep guy for you over the last year he showed flashes um parker could be good and and then you also have that duo of hunter henry and mike kosicki it's a much more improved passing offense i I just think that bill o'brien needs to utilize all his weapons and not you know, throw one to the side um, mm. like they did with, you know, Janu for the last two years and Kendrick Bourne last season. No more checkdowns. All yeah. right. So a couple of rookie standouts last year, Marcus and Jack Jones, right? Not brothers. Definitely not brothers. But they're, they're both had good seasons in their own right, obviously. I mean, Marcus Jack Jones was an all-pro. Yeah. Jack had a little bit of a uh, spill at the end of the season, it seemed, but or the end of the offseason, whatever. But um, what are their roles going to look like on defense this year? It looks like Jack Jones might be, he could be your number one corner, depending on how you use Marcus Jones. Yeah, depending on I, how you use the defense this year. I mean, year. Jonathan Jones. Um, I, I'm starting to think that they're going to take a corner in the first round. Um, and so at that point, it sort of depends what corner they take. And it's, you know, Jonathan Jones... Um, has looked more like your number one outside guy. Uh, Jack Jones could be your two. Maybe you draft a slot cornerback. Maybe you draft, you know, an outside mm-hmm. perimeter corner. And, and Marcus put, has looked good and back you there in Marcus his own in right, the sl- too. right, and you put Jack Jones on the slot or Marcus Jones on the slot. Marcus could be a nickel guy. You know, they brought Jalen Mills back after cutting him, and they said they were going to move him to safety. Mm-hmm. So I think that's more of your McCourty replacement type. Where mm-hmm. the, Which that, I like that. That actually. safety I like room, that I, I like that. I like the safety room of Jalen Mills, Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips. I really like that that's safety a really, room. That's it's, a, it's really fast. Team, it's physical. Right. 
it's it's guys that can get into the box and right. you know play linebacker if need be. And Jalen Mills' best season um, in the NFL was in 2020 with the Eagles when he was a safety. Um, and so I really like that. I think that opens up the door for Jack Jones to be, you know, he's more of a physical guy. Um, and I really think that he, you know, can shine um, can, can shine as the teams, you know, whether it's number one, number two, mm. or number three corner. For Marcus Jones, um, I think, you know, he's, he's, he's good defensively. I think he's more of like that nickel guy I re- or nickel or dime. I really don't think you're going to be rolling out Marcus Jones to cover a team's number one or number two receiver. Um Although he did a good job against he Hopkins. Did a, he did a really good job against, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams. And I just think that that, you know, his height might play a role in that. But I think his special teams just makes up for everything. Um, and he's know, a future return guy for, I think, years. Yeah, time. I think he's the guy that, I think when you drafted him, you drafted him with the intent of this is going to be your punt returner and kick returner for the next six years. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think that's just... You know, he brings it, the speed, the electricity, um, you know, the flair to that. And then, you know, you throw him in on offense. He can hold his own, too. Score a touchdown in his first career snap. So, like, you, you, you work him in. I sort of think, like, obviously he's not, you know, as good as Devin Hester, but I sort of, he sort of reminds me of Devin Hester. Devin Hester played, you know, all three roles. Troy Brown played all three roles. And he's just that guy is sort of just you can slot in wherever, and he is athletic enough to play there. So. Right. I really, I I think Marcus Jones is gonna be really good. Plus, he 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 released a new song this morning. This man does it all. He does. He it does all. it all. He just released a song. I haven't listened to it yet, but we'll have to get I'll a review up. up or something. We'll, we'll queue it up. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to touch on was uh, you mentioned the draft and how you think we're most likely to take a corner. Are you um, actually queuing it up? I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, in the weeks prior, a lot of Patriots fans were hoping for an offensive tackle. Since then, the Pats have signed, was it Calvin Anderson? And I think one other guy that I can't remember his name at the moment. but um, Riley Reef. R- Riley Reef. Um, how, how important are they going to be in determining who we draft in the first round? Are they going to make any sort of impact? Or do you think all along they were looking to draft a wide receiver or a corner in the first round and that those signings had no real impact on what we want to do in the first um, I don't know. I was really under the assumption that it was going to be uh, offensive tackle in the first round, but I think that because you brought in, um, you know, those guys, I think that sort of bridges the gap, meaning that you don't need to. Are they um, good enough? They're not superstars, but I think they're better than what you had. They're better than All starting right. rolling out Isaiah Wynn and Connor McDermott and Yanni Kajust. Riley Reef has been a starter in this league for a while. Kevin a- Calvin Anderson came in as an undrafted free agent with the Patriots and was the Broncos' starting tackle this year. Um, so they have that experience. They have experience. Starters. They have experience being starters. And you know, if you want to go an offensive tackle and then you put one of these guys in as a starter and have that guy develop, then go for it. Um, you know, maybe you you see where you are at, at pick fourteen and you say, oh, there's no real offensive tackles with like a corner or vice versa. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think though that taking a cornerback at fourteen is now more likely because they signed these two guys. All right, one more thing that I wanted to ask you, Ethan, was now this is a try to be as unbiased as you can. I'm, I'm always unbiased. Right, but I just want to say... Here at B&E, we're totally unbiased. I just want to hear your real unbiased thoughts here. With a less crowded safety room now, is Kyle Duggar an all-pro this upcoming season? 
I don't think he's going to be an all pro, but I really think he, I think he's going to be a pro bowler. I think all pro is, hard, is, is definitely, you know, lofty to get. Okay. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, pro bowl is definitely something that he could do. Um, I agree. You know, he's a physical sure. guy. He has a nose for the football, interceptions, forced fumbles, touchdowns. His awareness is insane. He's an that abs- pick he's- six that he had against Derek Carr, and that I'm referencing the Raiders game a lot, but he made a phenomenal play. That was that was one of the best defensive plays that I've ever seen a Patriots player make, honestly. And, I mean, he, like he's he's been such a big part of that defense already. When there's a lot of mouths to feed, you know, you've got Judon who needs his sacks. You've got Uche who needs his. Uh, you had McCordy who was the Romer getting interceptions left and right. But, uh, you know, causing fumbles like against the Lions, you know, he'd really done it all for the defense. So, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he was an all-pro this year, to be honest with you. But, like I said, it might be a little bit lofty. Might be wishful thinking, but I'm definitely thinking that he could be a pro bowler for sure. Yeah. And then uh, right before we wrap up real quick, just wanted to touch on the Red Sox. Tough loss yesterday, but I did like that they had fight. This is something that we did not see much of last year. Even if it was opening day, came down to the very last at bat. So I really did appreciate seeing that. The pitching was an issue, as it has been in the past. Corey Cooper yeah. did not go, Couldn't even go very long. Um, he threw too many pitches. He, there was one point where I think he let up hits on five straight at-bats or something like that, four or five at-bats. Um, not good at all. But, uh, yeah, that, those are my thoughts on the Red Sox yesterday. I don't know if any of you had anything to add. Devers MVP. Um, Yoshida, Rookie of the Year. Yeah, those are both guaranteed to happen. Um, Yoshida well, will have a good season. Yeah. Thanks again for listening. Uh, it's good to be back, and uh, hopefully the teams continue to play well. Final thoughts? Who knows when we'll be back? Yoshida's hitting his first home run tomorrow. Yeah, you might not hear from us again until next fall. Follow the socials. Um, at Gillette Nation. At BNE Radio, Radio underscore. underscore. Yeah, we tweet very sophisticated educational content. Yes, like, we do. At Just Dong. Tom King. Like Dong. All right, thanks again. Take care. Have go, a good one. Go Shout out to